It's a deal until it isn't. So almost 24 years ago, Barb and I moved to this area. And this is an experience I know a lot of you have had. When you move, you just try and jam a lot of stuff into a short period of time. So in our case, uh, Barb had just had our youngest son, Michael, and we were selling our house in Chilton, Wisconsin, which is where we were moving from. We were looking for a house in, somewhere in the Brookfield area. Barb was on a short uh, maternity leave from her uh, schooling, and I was getting started at what was then Cross of Life Lutheran Church. So a lot of stuff going on. A lot of you have been in that same position. And, and so you know you got to make decisions kind of quickly. So we were looking for a house in this area. Now, the only thing working in our favor at that time was it was a buyer's market. We were near the holidays and um, the economy was so-so at that point. <clears throat> and so it was hurting us in Chilton where we were trying to sell, but it was to our benefit here. There were lots of places on the market. Uh, we, we found a place on the east side of Brookfield we really liked, really well maintained. Uh, if we had ended up buying it, you know, our boys would have gone to Dixon, Pilgrim Park, Brookfield East. As it was, they went to Brookfield L, Wisconsin Hills, Brookfield Central. In high school, either way, they would have had blue shirts that they would have been wearing. Uh, uh, so we thought this was a nice place and we, we made an offer on it. Now, fortunately, my brother is a, uh, works in real estate law uh, in another state, but uh, he, he advised us, make sure you put a radon contingency into your offer. At that point, radon was kind of a new thing. And so we did it, we put a radon contingency in, and uh, then the, the buyer represented that, oh, all of our contingencies had, you know, were met, and, and we went ahead with a house inspection, but it didn't include the radon part for some reason. So we arranged for a separate radon test. So one day our uh, uh, buyer's agent and we showed up and the owner was there and to do this radon test. And all of a sudden the owner got kind of a strange look on his face. And, and he, he disappeared for a moment and then he came and he put a piece of paper in front of us. Turns out they'd done a radon test. And the radon reading in that house was, or at least in the basement, was like stratospheric. It was through the ceiling. And Barb and I made quick eye contact, and I guess our eye contact must have communicated pretty clearly what we were thinking, which was, we have a lot of places we could buy. We have young children. We know this can be remediated, but why live in a house that is like literally a radon factory? And, and then I also asked one question. I said, so did your listing agent know about this? And it turns out that was probably a good question to ask because it just kind of got at the issue of, did you lie to us about this? Did you both lie to us about this? And, and the deal was off. We got like our deposit back like in two days, which back then was unheard of. Uh, we know that house ultimately sold really quickly. They might've gotten a better offer than the one we offered. We ended up in a nice place. Everyone, I think for the most part, lived happily ever after. It's a deal until it isn't. The reason I tell that story is because it's one of the few times when I remember life where I think uh, I probably asked the right question at the right time, at least for the situation we were in. 
I remember way more situations where I, I, I didn't ask something or I didn't have the right words in a situation. And I, I think all of us know that experience that you wish you would have asked one more question at the doctor or um, at the teacher's conference. You, you wish you would have had just the right um, either, you know, retort in a, in a uh, conflicted situation or the, the right words of, of empathy in a difficult situation and, and we all kind of regret that, that we don't have the right words at the right moment. Uh, maybe that's part of what often makes it hard to relate to Jesus because he always seems to have the right words at the right time. But I think it's less a matter of, you know, uh, wishing we could be perfect like him and, and just learning the, the basics of what he's teaching us. And that we can always do, I think, really well. And today's gospel lesson is a great example of that. Uh, so uh, Lynn and Jeff read it for us, and, and they set the context for us, which is this is happening the Monday after Palm Sunday. Jesus is ridden into Jerusalem to great acclaim. Then he's taken the side of the poor who are exploited by the money changers in the temple, and he's overturned those temples and upset that whole system that depended on it. Next morning, he comes back, in a sense, to the scene of the crime, uh, starts teaching in the temple, and the religious authorities come to him, and they challenge him. And, and, and interestingly, they don't arrest him. They just challenge him and say, what authority allows you to do this stuff? And Jesus, uh, of course, asks just the right question in that moment. And, and he says to them, well, okay, fine. If you want to talk to, about authority, let's, let's go back just a little bit and let's talk John the Baptist. You know, by what authority did he speak? By human or divine authority? And it's the perfect question, as, as Matthew's gospel explains, because of the religious leaders say, well, he was, it was just, you know, human authority, his own words. Uh, by that point, it was very clear to, to everyone that John the Baptist had brought a heavenly message. And so that was an answer they couldn't possibly give. But if they said, well, it, it was a heavenly message or from heavenly origin, then, then Jesus can say, well, why the heck didn't you listen to him then? Because he clearly didn't back him up. And, and so they, they don't answer the question. Jesus says, well, if you won't answer, I won't answer. And then he goes on to tell them the parable of those two sons, one who says yes, but does no, one who says no, but does yes. And Jesus says, which one did his father's will? And they have to concede, well, it's the one who said no, but did the right thing. And, and Jesus then ends by saying, you know, the sinners and tax collectors are going into the kingdom of heaven. And remember, kingdom of heaven isn't heaven, heaven. It's, it's when God's ways are done here on earth. So they're going into the kingdom of heaven before you because they, they uh, may say no with their actions. They may, be, they may be sinners and they may make huge mistakes and they may make them repeatedly in life. But they're at least open to the forgiveness and the empathy and the, and the connection and the love that extends to them from the divine through me in a way that, that you can't. Because you let your teachings and your traditions, you let your, your power and your prestige be more important than, than the actual human beings. It's a deal until it isn't. We all make deals in life. Um, you know, so much of our economy is built around you know, making a sale, making a deal. These are not bad things, but when you think about it, they're also transitory things. 
Uh, I haven't thought about the story I told you about the real estate thing for like 15 years, I don't think. It, it ultimately was really important at the time, uh, but of no eternal significance. The only thing that's of eternal significance is our relationships and the way we deal with them. And there's never enough empathy or understanding in those relationships that we can't add a little bit more. When you think about wherever you're at right now in your life, um, now is always the right time to reprioritize. Now is always the right time to, to quit worrying about whether you asked the right thing or said the right thing at the right time. Um, that's what grace is for if you or I have made any mistakes. What, what is important now is, as with Jesus, the realization that whether it's you or somebody in your in your immediate orbit or somebody you're dealing with uh, just at arm's distance. Um, there, there are so many ways to, to fracture relationships and to end relationships and to uh, trivialize relationships, but there are even more ways um, to, to recognize in each other the reality that we are sinners and tax collectors who have fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus has drawn close to you. He's drawn close to me, and he wishes to live through you and I to be a light to the world, to share with all the other sinners and tax collectors out there, not a harshness, not the, the, the teachings and the traditions and, and the prestige that is ours, but the, the empathy and the, and the patience and the passion that is the divine, the ways of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven always is trying to draw close. Right now. Right now. Because you see, what's true is that life's deals, they come and go. Jesus, he's the real deal. Donna's face. And, and he, he disappeared for a moment, and then he came and he put a piece of paper in front of us. It turns out they'd done a radon test, and the radon reading in that house was, or at least in the basement, was like stratospheric. It was through the ceiling. And Barb and I made quick eye contact, and I guess our eye contact must have communicated pretty clearly what we were thinking, which was, we have a lot of places we could buy. We have young children. We know this can be remediated, but why live in a house that is like literally a radon factory? And, and then I also asked one question. I said, so did your listing agent know about this? And it turns out that was probably a good question to ask because it just kind of got at the issue of, did you lie to us about this? Did you both lie to us about this? And, and the deal was off. We got like our deposit back like in two days, which back then was unheard of. Uh, we know that house ultimately sold really quickly. They might've gotten a better offer than the one we offered. We ended up in a nice place. Everyone, I think for the most part, lived happily ever after. It's a deal until it isn't. The reason I tell that story is because it's one of the few times when I remember life where I think 
Uh, I probably asked the right question at the right time, at least for the situation we were in. I remember way more situations where I, I, I didn't ask something or I didn't have the right words in a situation. And I, I think all of us know that experience that you wish you would have asked one more question at the doctor or um, at the teacher's conference. You, you wish you would have had just the right um, either, you know, retort in a, in a uh, conflicted situation or the, the right words of, of empathy in a difficult situation, and, and we all kind of regret that, that we don't have the right words at the right moment. Uh, maybe that's part of what often makes it hard to relate to Jesus, because he always seems to have the right words at the right time. But I think it's less a matter of, you know, uh, wishing we could be perfect like him, and, and just learning the, the basics of what he's teaching us. And that we can always do, I think, really well. And today's gospel lesson is a great example of that. Uh, so uh, Lynn and Jeff read it for us, and, and they set the context for us, which is this is happening the Monday after Palm Sunday. Jesus is ridden into Jerusalem to great acclaim. Then he's taken the side of the poor who are exploited by the money changers in the temple, and he's overturned those temples and upset that whole system that depended on it. Next morning, he comes back, in a sense, to the scene of the crime, uh, starts teaching in the temple, and the religious authorities come to him, and they challenge him. And, and, and interestingly, they don't arrest him. They just challenge him and say, what authority allows you to do this stuff? And Jesus, uh, of course, asks just the right question in that moment. And, and he says to them, well, okay, fine. If you want to talk to, about authority, let's, let's go back just a little bit and let's talk John the Baptist. You know, by what authority did he speak? By human or divine authority? And it's the perfect question, as, as Matthew's gospel explains, because of the religious leaders say, well, he was, it was just, you know, human authority, his own words. Uh, by that point, it was very clear to, to everyone that John the Baptist had brought a heavenly message. And so that was an answer they couldn't possibly give. But if they said, well, it, it was a heavenly messenger from heavenly origin, then, then Jesus can say, well, why the heck didn't you listen to him then? Because he clearly didn't back him up. And, and so they, they don't answer the question. Jesus says, well, if you won't answer, I won't answer. And then he goes on to tell them the parable of those two sons, one who says yes, but does no, one who says no, but does yes. And Jesus says, which one did his father's will? And they have to concede, well, it's the one who said no, but did the right thing. And, and Jesus then ends by saying, you know, the sinners and tax collectors are going into the kingdom of heaven. And remember, kingdom of heaven isn't heaven, heaven. It's, it's when God's ways are done here on earth. So they're going into the kingdom of heaven before you because they, they uh, may say no with their actions. They may, be, they may be sinners and they may make huge mistakes and they may make them repeatedly in life. But they're at least open to the forgiveness and the empathy and the, and the connection and the love that extends to them from the divine through me in a way that, that you can't. Because you let your teachings and your traditions, you let your, your power and your prestige be more important than, than the actual human beings. It's a deal until it isn't. We all make deals in life. Um, you know, so much of our economy is built around you know, making a sale, making a deal. 
these are not bad things, but when you think about it, they're also transitory things. Uh, I haven't thought about the story I told you about the real estate thing for like 15 years, I don't think. It, it ultimately was really important at the time, uh, but of no eternal significance. The only thing that's of eternal significance is our relationships and the way we deal with them. And there's never enough empathy or understanding in those relationships that we can't add a little bit more. When you think about wherever you're at right now in your life, um, now is always the right time to reprioritize. Now is always the right time to, to quit worrying about whether you asked the right thing or said the right thing at the right time. Um, that's what grace is for if you or I have made any mistakes. What, what is important now is, as with Jesus, the realization that whether it's you or somebody in your in your immediate orbit or somebody you're dealing with uh, just at arm's distance, um, there, there are so many ways to, to fracture relationships and to end relationships and to uh, trivialize relationships, but there are even more ways um, to, to recognize in each other the reality that we are sinners and tax collectors who have fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus has drawn close to you. He's drawn close to me, and he wishes to live through you and I to be a light to the world, to share with all the other sinners and tax collectors out there, not a harshness, not the, the, the teachings and the traditions and, and the prestige that is ours, but the, the empathy and the, and the patience and the passion that is the divine, the ways of the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven always is trying to draw close. Right now. Right now. Because you see, what's true is that life's deals, they come and go. Jesus, he's the real deal. 